Trigger warning. The following episode contains references to racism, slavery, human suffering, mental conditions, death, factual inaccuracies, several entitled people making light of all these things. If any of the aforementioned topics cause you discomfort, you may want to listen to a different episode. You're going to inject me with what? Well, that's a big plutonium. I'm Andy. Who's hungry for molasses? Again. I'm Sean. And as the summer comes to a close, it's time to commence the skin harvest. I'm Adam. Quaker Oats, now sponsoring science clubs in your area. I'm Kelly. And this is Acid Pop. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Acid Pop. Today, we're going to be talking about unethical medical experiments. Oh, my favorite. Goodness. This There's is a lot of Nazis here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because we would never do that in America. <laughs> never. Bye. Take your yogurt enema. As I was about to say, there is such a delicious variety to choose from that I'm in this episode only doing America. Oh. So we can consider this part oh one of infinity because we could just do these forever. Yeah, we'll just have weekly installments. Are you trying to tell me that there's no Nazis in America? Because I watch the news. <laughs> They're all in South America. I'm just telling you that I didn't find any articles about them cutting people up uh, for science. <laughs> they just do it for fun. <laughs> so let's get into some etymology. It's um, a lot of words in this one. Yes. Ethic goes back to Greek ethos, meaning hmm. custom. And medical goes back to the Proto-Indo-European root med, which means to take appropriate measures. So when I go to Club Med... (laughs) It's a very appropriate place to be. It's only appropriate. (laughs) And experiment is from Latin experimentum. (laughs) A trial, test, proof, or experiment. Kind of circular there. Experimentum is a spell that you learn in Harry Potter College. (laughs) Science magic. So not good, not acceptable, appropriate experiment. (laughs) We got to get custom in there. Oh, the custom of being appropriately (laughs) inappropriate customs and experiments. Hmm. (laughs) So for fear, we have iatrophobia. Yahtzee. (laughs) (laughs) And iatro is Greek for doctor. Hmm. So this is fear of doctors. What's the, like, I've never heard that root word before. Yeah. How did that get lost? I, I just found it <laughs> on the internets <laughs> where all lost things go to die. I say, they've never lied to us. <laughs> I couldn't find a fear of the government, but uh, oh, it's there. sometimes they are out to get you. <laughs> believe it's called Alex Jones. So um, we're not going to do any science or history because this is sort of all history. But for the purposes of this episode, um, medical is any experiment that focused in some way on disease, the human body, or things that might make one unhealthy. Hmm, so trying to make a better toaster wouldn't count then. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Neither would psychological experiments. I'm not doing ah, those. Okay. Are you using the toaster to, I don't know, cure somebody's hand fungus? 
Is everybody ready for our acid pop quiz? I'm so ready. I, I, I'm a doctor in my own right, so I, I know all these things. He has a PhD on his wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's in crayon. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to do true and false tonight because uh, it goes something like, people are monsters. True or false? <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to go with false and really hope. <laughs> so Dr. Southam injected people with live cancer cells without their consent. Oh. He was studying how the healthy patient fought off cancer. <laughs> what happened after his experiment came out? <laughs> uh, he was lynched. The, the, oh, all the people he injected came back with their own needles full of <laughs> more cancer. He got a Nobel Prize. Adam, you got closest. Ah, damn. Uh, he was placed on medical probation for one year, and then he was elected vice president of the American Cancer Society. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he did. He did all he could to help advance the cancer. Yeah. So he he took more risks than anyone else, but he still needs one person above him to keep him in check. <laughs> yeah, I guess American Cancer Society is kind of open ended. <laughs> Different goals than we thought. Yeah. How did Quaker Oats help advance the cause of science? <laughs> Well, they made a Quaker oat enema, a Quaker oat manana. <laughs> Good try there. Lumpy. They injected it into your butt to see if you could uh, get nutrients through there. I mean, I know that when when I was a kid, at least, if you were super itchy, they'd say take an oatmeal bath. So maybe oatmeal started as a rash treatment? I will remind you uh, all that this is an episode on unethical medical experiments. Nobody wanted the oatmeal on their butt, Kelly. say <laughs> they kept rubbing oatmeal on rashes and it didn't do a lick of good. Does does it in any way tie into oats or cereal? Cereal is eaten. Or <laughs> it is. And toast. Orange juice drinking. They they made people eat gross cereal as a contraceptive. <laughs> In the early 50s, in an experiment sponsored by the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission and the Quaker Oats Corporation, 73 mentally disabled children were fed oatmeal containing radioactive calcium. What? In order to track how the nutrients were digested. <laughs> I was close with nutrients then. <laughs> Why did Quaker Oats feel the need to get on board with this one? Like, did, could the government have just used any oats? But Quaker had to get their name attached to this I, one. I feel like it's. I feel like at some point somebody's like, "Is this a good idea?" And somebody said, "Don't worry, they're disabled." <laughs> <laughs> Most of them can't even talk, let alone file a lawsuit. <laughs> the kids were not told they were being fed radioactive chemicals. They were told they were joining a science club. Um, <laughs> kind that of sounds pretty cool. It's a very exclusive club. People who die of radiation poisoning. <laughs> yeah. Madame Curie or Marie Curie or whatever her name was. All right. Sticking on the food theme, how was the safety of sulfuric acid as a food additive studied? <laughs> well, it was added to food, of course. Yeah. It was dripped into people's eyes. <laughs> oh, man. See, I, I feel like you're bringing a bunch of people and, and, and you tell them that you're they're testing like a new soda pop or something and half the cans <laughs> have sulfuric acid. Uh It was like Gatorade where they sweat out the, the Gatorade, but it was sulfuric acid dripping out of there. Oh, God. <laughs> So, sulfuric acid is used in the making of molasses, Mm -hmm. and the Louisiana State Board of Health commissioned a study to feed, quote, unquote, Negro prisoners nothing but molasses for five weeks. (laughs) Why? Why? I wouldn't want to do that anyway. (laughs) One report stated that, quote, 
the prisoners didn't object to submitting themselves to the test because it would not do any good if they did. Oh, oh my. It sounds like a modern day, like, honey mummy. Have you heard of that? <laughs> did they, did I they, have not. Did they... Oh, really? Well, it's a thing back in the day that I don't know that this actually ever happened, but like somebody, some good Samaritan would eat nothing but honey for like a month until they literally pooped and peed and nothing but honey came out. Uh. And then they would die and then they'd be like sealed in a box for like a year. And then you'd crack open the box and basically eat the guy. And that was supposed to be a type of medicine. Yeah. Delicious. Honey mummy. So Project Sunshine was the study (laughs) of radioactive fallout on the world's population. What was the research method? I, I feel like you have a radioactive substance and you, like, release it downwind of, of a town and just go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Obviously, it's chemtrails. <laughs> it is chemtrails. They sold light bulbs that were not so much glowing as they were radioactive and saw what happened to the people that lived in those houses. <laughs> this light turns on. I don't even have to hit a switch. They stole the corpses of babies. Uh, okay. <laughs> so uh, that they could... <laughs> so that they could analyze the radiation in their bones. Okay. How did the babies get radiation in their bones in the first place? Um, being alive? <laughs> yeah. This okay. was after um, we dropped, speaking of other unethical things, dropped some nukes. Um, oh, okay. So they wanted to see how this had affected the world's population. Well, you know, killed a few babies here and there. If you want to make a bomb, you have to break a few babies. <laughs> <laughs> to quote the scientist who kicked this off, Human samples are often of prime importance, and if anyone knows how to do a good job of body snatching, they will really be serving their country. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I have to do to serve my country? (laughs) I've hired a Mr. Igor. (laughs) An Al Gore? Yes, I've hired an Al Gore. (laughs) I've got all the big... Nope, that's John Wayne. (laughs) Get those babies on out of there. (laughs) Okay, so we're on to our terms, and all of our terms are various uh, government terms to avoid where they were trying to avoid saying what they were doing. Mm-hmm. What was Operation Sea Spray? Oh, I know that. <laughs> it, it's when the government injected people with cranberry juice. Damn it, you see what happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, that's uh, they took the mixing cranberry with everything too far. And they have some like cranberry-human <laughs> hybrids. I'm pretty sure they sprayed some sort of uh, neuro- neurological agent over San Francisco, and they were testing to like they were testing to make sure it was safe, and they were pretty sure it was, but turns out it wasn't. <laughs> you know, just a little town that nobody's ever heard of. I'm going to give that to you, Sean. You were really close. So yeah, this was a 1950s U.S. Navy experiment in which two different bacterias were sprayed over the San Francisco Bay Area, and they were considered safe bacteria, but <laughs> They weren't. Um, <laughs> if they're safe, why are we testing it? Who's ever heard of streptococcus anyway? <laughs> they were testing how well it would spread. <laughs> Safely. <laughs> With super soakers. It covers you in safety. Hey, hippie. <laughs> Sailor would jump around the corner and spray you in the mouth. San Francisco received enough of a dose for nearly all of the city's 800,000 residents to inhale millions of particles each day during the week of spraying. <laughs> what the hell? Afterward, there was a sudden spike of serious, rare infections all over the city. <laughs> no one knew why. They went to the hospital and said, I've never seen anyone so safe. 
What was Operation Big Buzz? <laughs> Ooh, this is when they, uh, the army tried to use radiation to make giant hornets to attack. <laughs> it was during the space race, and we were trying to outdo Russia, so we tried to make bigger and better astronauts. <laughs> <laughs> it was a big buzz. <laughs> well, we've already done one small step. How about one big one? They tried to make a chemical agent that would make your hair shrink to a quarter inch to save on the cost of clippers. <laughs> so in this one, the army wanted to know whether they could use mosquitoes as uh, weapons hmm. by releasing uh, infected mosquitoes in areas where oh. they wanted to kill a bunch of people. Oh. I feel like this is pretty. Su- this would be pretty successful. Think about mosquitoes, though. They don't stay put. <laughs> So to test it, they released 300,000 mosquitoes in Georgia. Um, <laughs> Georgia. Why Georgia? The country or the state? The state. Oh, well. These were not infected mosquitoes, but they dropped them from planes to make sure that they would survive. And there's still mosquitoes <laughs> to this day. Free until that day. It was a paradise. They just released mosquitoes? That doesn't yeah. sound too bad. Well, I don't like them. Yeah, well. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> That's kind of a dick move. They've actually done this like three different times and once with ticks. That Ooh. one was called Big Itch. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrifying. Did they just, they drop ticks from planes? Walking down the street, all of a sudden you're pelted with what seems like dirt. Oh, God. <laughs> Dried husks in the wake of this plane. What was Shad? That's that's S H A D. <laughs> Shad was the coolest scientist. <laughs> he was a French Chad. What does Shad stand for? Is it S H? S H A D. So homies, all dead. <laughs> <laughs> Super harmful aerial deployment. He means like, like mosquitoes or ticks. <laughs> <laughs> Did we get yours, Adam? Hang on, give me no a No rush, I just wanted to make sure I hadn't not heard you. Severely hydrated, any day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you got, someone got hazard in there, I think. <laughs> Did they? I don't think about it. Mine was homie. <laughs> I said super hazardous. There, see, you said hazardous. So this was Project Shipboard Hazard and Defense. It was from 1963 to 1969, in which the U.S. Army performed tests that involved spraying U.S. ships with various biological and chemical warfare agents. (laughs) What's this one do? (laughs) While thousands (laughs) of U.S. military personnel were aboard the ships. (laughs) They they know what they signed up for. Open wide. (laughs) The people on board the ships were not notified of the tests and were not given any protective clothing. Nice. That's why we have so many (laughs) protections in place today. Did you hear? <laughs> what was the product? Uh, it's it's a marshmallow-like substance that hollows you out and takes over your brain. <laughs> Can't get enough. <laughs> it's the ultimate goal of science. Oh. It's like the Philosopher's Stone. Yeah. <laughs> it's like distilled it's pure truth. Marketing at its purest. <laughs> That's like, uh, it's the quintessential thing you can put in your hair. <laughs> It's true. I'm a Dapper Dan man. Scientists work for years. <laughs> it's what the Manhattan Project called plutonium. Ooh. So they carried ex- out extensive human experiments to see how plutonium would interact with the human body. Um, 
and they did these on people who didn't know that they were being experimented (laughs) on, but because they were good people, question mark, they chose people with terminal illnesses. Oh, so here's a little hair product. (laughs) But there's one story where they uh, kind of missed their mark. So I'm going to tell you that one real quick. So the guy, Stevens, was a house painter who was diagnosed with terminal cancer. The doctors, because he was doomed to die, injected him with... The product. (laughs) One problem. When they biopsied the tumor, they found it was benign. He didn't have cancer. (laughs) Maybe the product cured him. (laughs) Yeah. Well, instead of telling him what had happened, they told him he'd had a miraculous recovery and they needed to study him further. (laughs) Oh, to live in this box. For years after the injection, they collected his urine and stool samples um, and continued to treat his health problems I mean, so I, they could get another poke for at For years of stool samples, so that's got to be just... <laughs> they give him like a little fishy net. Does that make you feel special if the scientists want your poop for years? <laughs> I think that guy's just a collector at that point. <laughs> when, at what point do the scientists just become weirdos? Yeah, I was going to say, I'd be creeped out after like uh, number two or three. He had to keep it in a shed and the nurse came around once a week to pick it up. <laughs> Oh, they they have- a shed? <laughs> it's just an outhouse with a scientist underneath. <laughs> <laughs> Worst internship ever. It's better be worth college credit. <laughs> so that's it for our terms. Everyone ready for a couple stories? Yes. Mm-hmm. I love medical science experiments. <laughs> I'm the best at stories. So first we're going to learn about James Marion Sims, sometimes called the father of modern gynecology. Mm, who's the mother? Yeah, I was going to say. Women don't do science. Oh, right. I always forget that. So, born in 1813, he invented the vaginal speculum and developed a technique for treating vesiovaginal fistulas, which is a tear between the uterus and the bladder. Hmm. So, how did he develop this wondrous technique? <laughs> I know the story. <laughs> <laughs> By operating on slave women. Mm-hmm. Without anesthetic. Mm-hmm. Or oh. any form of numbing to take away the pain. Isn't that an anesthetic? <laughs> well, like at the time they didn't have like, they couldn't knock you out, but they'd get you drunk or uh, otherwise try to numb you. Yeah. He did nothing. <laughs> so interestingly, the articles I was reading were like, oh, he didn't believe that black women could feel pain. <laughs> um, but his I mean, notes talk about them screaming in agony. Okay. I was going to so, say, wasn't that kind of a belief at the time? <laughs> Yeah, but, but could, the screams of agony kind of disproved that. <laughs> I, I, I also feel like you should like, how are you going to punish these people if they don't feel pain then? What, what's what's the, fault? <laughs> yeah, what's the point of all this? <laughs> it's like they sure have learned how to mimic that noise real good. Well, just, they, they, they seem to run from my prodding <laughs> stick. Uh, they just do this for attention. So James Marion had three main page, patients, um, Lucy, Anarchia, and Betsy, who were women who were brought to them by other slaveholders because they had these vesiovagulous fistulas. While they lived with him, they were essentially under his ownership, meaning they were available for his experiments whenever he felt a desire to uh, start tinkering. A fact that he reflected on delightedly in his memoirs. I'll bet. Quote, there was never a time that I could not, at any day, have had a subject for operation. (laughs) Two in the morning, I feel like I'm I must be the luckiest scientist in the world. <laughs> yeah, hey, put out drinking. Let me get in there. <laughs> snip, snip, snip. He performed over 30 operations on one of the women, a 17-year-old girl. Mm. And in his tinkering, he eventually did figure out a technique that worked. <laughs> Just take the bladder out. We'll take the bladder out. He then went on to perform the surgery on white women. 
Under anesthetic, of course. <laughs> of course. Those were people. Yeah, they're paying. <sighs> so in addition to these experiments, Sims also had an interest in slave children. Hmm. So we made lots. <laughs> <laughs> in particular, in what he believed to be their small brains, which he assumed were caused by small skulls. <laughs> I mean, you can kind see of? the skull, right? He would use a shoemaker's awl to pry apart the, the bones ah, of their skull. That's not its intended use. <laughs> oh. So when we talk about people like this, we sometimes hear people say, oh, they were a man of their time. So I'm just going to stop by saying his methods were openly debated in the medical community, and many of his <laughs> colleagues thought he was sort of beyond the pale. Yeah, even at the time, they are saying, pump the brakes. Hey, stop trying <laughs> open the children's heads, please. I can't hear you over cracking these skulls. <laughs> just got a big old nutcracker. Well, this one had a normal size skull. Give me the next one. <laughs> Good science involves repetition, Andy. Yeah, there, there is no science without heaps. <laughs> you say peeps? Heaps, yes. But uh, yeah, scientists are fueled by peeps. Peeps. <laughs> That's why April is the most sciencey month. <laughs> Everyone knows that. So uh, moving on to our next story and to warn you, the common thread in our stories today is racism. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment. Mm -hmm. That's like <laughs> record for length. Yeah. This one started in 1932. Wow. So the intent of this study was to, well, honestly, from a scientific and a medical perspective, the study was kind of considered useless. <laughs> Good. <laughs> it was a bar bet that went way too far. <laughs> According to the CDC's website, the Public Health Service began a study to record the natural history of syphilis in the hopes of justifying treatments of black. Oh, I'm not really sure I see the connection. <laughs> Which sounds nice, but given how things ended up, you'll see why it's BS. <laughs> Basically, a bunch of government medically types got it in their head that watching a bunch of men die of syphilis sounded like a good plan. What well, fun. <laughs> so that's what they set out to do. Hey, yeah, isn't this better than being a slave? <laughs> <laughs> so, just to Retreat that the goal of this study was to watch men die of untreated syphilis. There's probably already people with syphilis around dying. <laughs> yeah. So they found their, quote, volunteers uh, in Tuskegee, one of the poorest counties in Alabama. Hmm. These poor black sharecroppers were mostly illiterate and many had never seen a doctor before. In other words, they were a completely vulnerable population when the doctors showed up and offered them free medical care. And he's a witch. Hey, folks, y'all want syphilis? Well, what's that? It's a good thing. Hey, <laughs> delicious is what it is. So they enrolled 600 men in this experiment. Enrolled. <laughs> 399 with syphilis and 201 without who acted as their control group. <laughs> the men weren't told they had syphilis. They were told they were being treated for bad blood. Oh, yeah. In fact, they were being treated for nothing because <laughs> there was no treatment. The medicine they were given was actually aspirin. Yeah. Well, well, at least that <laughs> that's something. Now, from the start, this was unethical, but at least in 1932, the existing treatments for syphilis weren't great. Yeah. But by 1945, penicillin was an accepted and incredibly effective treatment for <laughs> syphilis. Sorry, when? <laughs> That was 1945. Okay. So from 32 to 45 so far. <laughs> this treatment was actively kept from the participants. Hey. And when I say they were kept from the treatment, I mean some of these men joined the army, were told to get treatment, and the public health service got them a waiver. <laughs> a waiver for treatment? I got my syphilis yes. waiver. You have a doctor's note to carry syphilis. Yeah, my doctor says it's cool. <laughs> 
This experiment continued through the 50s. Okay. And the 60s. Okay. And into the 70s. <laughs> hadn't they seen enough at this point? <laughs> Everyone hadn't died yet. They wanted to see them die. Why won't you take it to tripping them down the stairs? <laughs> Natural causes, you saw it. <laughs> Syphilis did that. <laughs> so finally in the 70s, the doctors came to the senses and realized how unethical they were being. What are we doing? No, no, wait, sorry. Um, the media found out and they were forced to shut it down because of all the bad press. <laughs> Way to ruin it for everybody. We had two guys left and I was, I still had my square in the pool. <laughs> so this was 1972. And by this time, 28 of the men died directly of syphilis, 100 were dead because of related complications, 40 of their wives had been infected, and 19 of their children had been born with congenital syphilis. Uh, You happy now, science? (laughs) So we have a quote from one of the scientists involved about what they learned. I'm an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of messed up, guys. I'm getting some therapy help. I learned that if there's a hell, I'm going there. (laughs) Nothing learned will prevent, find, or cure a single case of infectious syphilis or bring us closer to our basic mission of controlling venereal disease in the United States. But you weren't looking for a cure, (laughs) Mr. Science. You just had your lawn chair and your pina colada and you're just watching. (laughs) So the Tuskegee syphilis experiment was evil and people died because of it. But what they've found in studying it is that people continued to die of it who weren't in the experiment because it lowered the trust of the community in doctors. So you actually see a shorter lifespan in populations that most directly identified with the the people who were in the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were right. The government was out to get them, and so were the doctors. Just going to the pharmacy there, and it's just Advil on every aisle, on every shelf. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Now on to our third and final story. Number three for the win. (laughs) Um, This is is the Holmesburg prison experiments. Hmm. Oh, prison, prison's such a lovely place to find unwilling uh, participants. So um, this isn't one experiment. It's one location and one man and a lot of experiments. Huh. And it's haunted <laughs> as shit now. Say <laughs> so that man can fly now, but. If we're looking for at a spectrum of medical fail, we've just reached the far end. Huh. So Sims was at least developing a technique that helped people. Um in Tuskegee, they had a hypothesis, I guess. <laughs> Even if syphilis that- bad? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Question mark? Syphilis bad. What do watch? Mm-hmm. 50 years later. Well, in the Holmesburg prison experiments, the hop- hypothesis was something like, cosmetic and chemical companies will pay me a lot of money to test their products on prisoners. <laughs> oh, the prisoners are so pretty now. <laughs> they're pretty, pretty prisoners. Well, their uh, skin changed. That much is true. <laughs> What if I could get my cosmetics in pill form? The hero of this story is Dr. Albert Kligman. That's an evil sounding name. (laughs) It's a Nazi in hiding if I've ever heard one. (laughs) It's just me, Albert Kligman. (laughs) A dermatologist who first came to the Holmesburg prison in 1951 to treat an outbreak of athlete's feet. Foot. Foots. (laughs) (laughs) Foots. Athletes <laughs> <laughs> <At least> meets. <laughs> they might have had it on both feet. Who knows? A bunch of foot is called feet. <laughs> to quote Kligman, all I saw before me were acres of skin. 
It was like <laughs> oh God, somebody get him out of here. Oh, it's not done. Wasn't that the opening line from Hannibal? <laughs> Okay, let me get this whole thing out. Buffalo Bill. <laughs> you know, just, just look like a big fat chick with athlete's foot. <laughs> okay. All I saw before me were acres of skin. It was like a farmer seeing a field for the first time. Oh. <laughs> I looked down at my hand and saw a sickle. I was ready to plow. <laughs> and boy, did Clickman have plans for his new farm. Jeez. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> to reap. A skin farm sounds like something you would find in hell. <laughs> and I'm going to provide another quote because he was full of him. I began to go to the prison regularly, although I had no authorization. It was years before the authorities knew I, that I was conducting various studies on the prisoner volunteers. Things were simpler then. Informed what? consent was unheard of. <laughs> no one asked me what I was doing. It was a wonderful time. <laughs> oh my. The world is my playground. No one asked what he was doing. He just like wandered into the prison and like, morning, Albert. <laughs> Science was so much easier back then. It's like, and then when they found out, they started to pay me. <laughs> Working for Dow Chemicals, he tested the safeties of their dioxin pesticides. Oh. <laughs> Pesticides were injected into the prisoners. Is that going to happen, like, out in the wild? (laughs) (laughs) Like, if somebody's growing a bunch of cactus and you fall on it right after it was sprayed with (laughs) pesticide. So, they were supposedly trying to establish a safety threshold. For injecting pesticide into people. (laughs) (laughs) Pesticide needles. These injections caused inflammatory pustules... Pactolas that w- would last four to seven months at a time. Ugh. Over the course of the experiments, the dosage administered was increased to 468 times the initial recommended Whoa. dose. Not deadly enough. <laughs> no one's died yet. Kligman also performed research for Johnson & Johnson. Huh. Powder in those cases. <laughs> all the baby prisoners. Injecting talcum powder under the skin. A common test was called the patch test. Strips of hospital tape were stuck to the inmate's upper back, forming a grid with about 20 squares. Then they played checkers. <laughs> <laughs> On each square, they put a dab of something, you know, skin t- skin cream, moisturizer, suntan lotion. Sulfuric acid. Then they put a sunlamp on the prisoner to see how the skin peeled, burnt, or blistered at different temperatures. No. Oh. It's like the first easy bake oven. Mm. If it's anything like my creepy crawlers, I'd turn on the sun lamp and then forget about it until I smelled something burning. And then you could write down the results. (laughs) One prisoner described the gauze test. Without anesthetic, he lay on a table while two doctors cut two one-inch incisions on each side of his lower back, inserting gauze pads into the wounds and then stitching him up. Why? Hey. What is the point of this? He's not a pillow. They put everything under the skin. After 10 days, they removed one of the pads. One. After another 10, they removed the other one. And replaced it. Just wasn't really feeling two that one day. I kind of forgot where I put the second one. (laughs) These are no good. You got blood all over them. Let's try again. These are all dirty now. Oh, you're filthy inside. So throughout the experiments, prisoners reported excruciating pain and other terrible symptoms. Um, you know, boils, bleeding pustules, um, being covered with yeah. fine red bumps, um, 
and long-term health effects included skin problems, cancer, and illnesses they couldn't even really figure out what they were. <laughs> oh. Once again, Johnson & Johnson, did you need to know what would happen if your gauze got inside somebody's skin? <laughs> it's for those deep, penetrating lotions. Oh. <laughs> so, why did prisoners participate? Clickman paid them between 5 and $20 per experiment, while they could make 15 to 20 cents a day working in the Ooh, prison. Some of these men were simply trying to make bail. Yeah. They were given almost no information about the experiments, what was being tested on them, or what they could expect to happen. I'm going to pay off that parking ticket in no time. The (laughs) experiments were forcibly ended by the prison board in the 1970s. So these started in the 50s. As Kligman destroyed most of the documents related to the trials, (laughs) we still don't know what what all went on there. Why did he do that? I think he didn't want to get in trouble <laughs> to go be experimented on in jail he's like i've seen what happens in those places you're crazy in there um and as long as we're on our racism note i believe this particular prison was like 75 percent black hmm. so it's definitely worth noting uh, and that's the last of my stories <laughs> i've never been experimented upon yeah i don't think so <laughs> i'm trying I to think of. like because i've I grew up with asthma and I feel like my asthma treatment changed a lot, but I don't think I was ever like an alpha tester for any inhalers. Let's just see what works. Yeah. I mean, I had a friend that did like a sleep trial and for money at the, at the university, but and he never woke up, had him stay up all night and then tracked how well he did on stuff later. Adam, I found a lot of stories about people enlisted being sprayed and having other such chemicals tested on them. I'm sure. I mean, there's a good chance I got something in there. <laughs> yeah. I got lots of shots. Nanobots, venturing in. Any of them plutonium? Not that I know of. <laughs> Are you collecting your poop? I've never <laughs> nope. been cold since. Nope. They did one where the it was the air pressure shot, so it wasn't a needle. It was just like, it was pneumatic. So they, mm-hmm. but it, they made it like so much scarier than the regular shots. They said, don't move while we're doing this or it will slice your arm open. <laughs> and they were wearing a death's head mask. <laughs> off, we mean off. All right. I guess we'll move on to what are your morals worth? Whoa, more than $20. I'll tell you that. <laughs> How much to dose, say, a dozen of your friends and acquaintances with a substance you're sort of sure is harmless? <laughs> Hasn't done anything to rats. The dosing will be without their knowledge, but they will find out. Starting now. (laughs) That's one. Uh, See, this is inflicting. Well, acquaintances, though. I don't like some of my coworkers. (laughs) Friends and acquaintances. You start with the people closest to you and spiral out. If If we got a dozen, then I'm going to need $24 million. Whoa. Two million a piece, huh? Pretty high. I don't, I don't feel right about that. And, but you said, even if we're pretty sure it's safe, but even then. See, if I give each of them $1.5 million, I still get like a cool. <laughs> even after that much money, like you're not going to be friends anymore. Like Adam, 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 I know you're mad. I gave you some sort of weird strep, but. <laughs> but here's $1.5 million. You can afford a new butt. <laughs> Golden butt. Oh, man. We're constantly bribing people in this. <laughs> It's the only way we can sleep at night. (laughs) True enough. Capitalism. Money makes everything better. Well, let's put myself in the experimentee's shoes. How much would I have? Like, if someone came to me and was like, hey, listen, that drink I made you the other week, I don't really know what was in there. Like, 
I, I wouldn't ever be able to trust that person or anyone else ever again. Yeah. I was doing it for in your best interest. <laughs> you get $1.5 million in a new butt. <laughs> <laughs> the money would definitely help afterwards, but you couldn't hang out with that person anymore. I would hate to see you two fight. <laughs> but you said friends or acquaintances? Friends Both. and acquaintances. You're, I don't have a dozen friends. <laughs> so you start with the people close to you and you spiral out from oh, there. Yeah. Not just 12 people you introduce yourself to on the street. Hi, we're friends now. (laughs) (laughs) Here's money. (laughs) Then you run away. (laughs) Yeah, I think a million for each of them. And then I'll take half of what they get. So I'll get 500,000. So that'd be (sighs) 12.5 million. I think the million sounds pretty good. So I'm going to do a million for each of them, but... I don't think I even want any money after that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, this, this is, Guilt is, this too is much. bad stuff. We don't know if it's bad yet. It doesn't kill rats. <laughs> it makes your fingernails grow like magic. I did it to all the rats I know already. <laughs> My rats are already dead, Adam. <laughs> oh. They didn't get any deader. I think I'm going to need two million for each of the dozen people. Yeah. And then- get off your high horse. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking of how much it would take to soothe me, and I need yeah. to be able to buy a, a very nice I'm, house I'm somewhere far that away. Maybe <laughs> I'll make some sort of medical breakthrough and become famous through that. Yeah. Like, maybe it will have been worth it, and if it wasn't, then I don't want anything anyways. And I want $4 million for me, so yeah. $28 million. Mm. This is fair. I'll, I'll send you the spray bottle. <laughs> if Autumn is included in this, it's, it's going to increase. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that's it this week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you soon. One, two, three. Bye. Bye. (laughs) That was a terrible countdown to bye. (laughs) Thanks to my co-hosts for joining me today. Thanks to Gerard, our awesome editor. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you'd like more information about today's episode, check out our website at acidpoppodcast.podbean.com. You can join us on our subreddit, Acid Pop Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Acid Pop Podcast for updates almost every month. Or you can send us an email at acidpoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Delicious. Honey I feel mummy. like there should be more, like, different preparations of the molasses, at least. Like the molasses cake, season molasses. I want to revisit this honey <laughs> mummy thing. Can I do that with any other kind of food? Yeah. Eat nothing but corn, then you poop. Well, we keep losing you guys. I think we've still lost them. Oh, we're, we're still here. here. There they are. Hello again. We made a joke about corn. <laughs> I heard the corn start, but not finish. It ended with a corn mummy. It was pretty funny. <laughs> should have been there. Yeah. Corn mummy, a mummy with corn for guts. <laughs> People would shuck your sarcophagus and get some sort of curse on the cob. <laughs> <laughs> but no, no you, you see the deal is they put you in a sarcophagus, shake like the stovetop popcorn <laughs> thing, so they can just pop you right on the on the campfire and shake it back and forth. Campfire, campfire. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I put the mummy on the campfire. I'm just going to pop right up there. Well, look at it in flake. This is a lot more fun than the microwave kind. (laughs) (laughs) 
Kelsey, <laughs> Wisconsin corn mummy sketch. Everyone. Uh, okay, I don't know. Quick, somebody call Lord Michaels. <laughs> I don't know what's doing it. Or Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs>